Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just being so wonderful to us, for allowing us to come before you, Lord, to worship, to sing songs, to praise, to pray for one another. God, only you know what this week has been, and only you know what you've called your people to do. Father, I pray that as we go through your word today, that your word that permeates hearts and changes lives will speak to your people. And I pray that you use me as your vessel to share the good news of Jesus Christ, of your Son. May I preach Christ and Christ crucified. And may I know no other. And may I preach from the cross and illuminate your word to your people. I ask that all hearts and ears and minds put aside all distractions and that they be here fully with you, Lord, that you give them understanding and you give me grace to teach and you give me understanding as well. Father, we thank you, we love you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. So, if you have a Bible, um, and I hope you certainly do, I know you certainly do on your phones, um, if you guys will turn with me over to John chapter 17. Now, this is the gospel according to John, Apostle John, who in other, it's called, it's, he's called in several ways, um, the one who Christ loved, right? So John chapter 17 is where we're going to be today. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. And let me share my screen with you guys and just, I'll read it from here because there's quite a lot in in it that I want you guys to be able to pay attention to as we go along. So you either feel free to look on with me here or feel free to read alongside within your um, within your own Bibles, within your own text, okay? So, the word of the Lord from John chapter 17 says, when Jesus, and by the way, I'm going to read this very slowly because I want you guys to take in each of these words as important as it is, what we're going into here is a prayer, okay? A prayer given by Jesus. So that's that's the context that we that I'm giving you here within his word. This is called the high priestly prayer. John chapter 17 says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, 
and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they, might, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in, in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. And the last verse says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. So, why did we read all of this? That was very long, right? A whole 26 whopping verses. And I tried to go through each and every single one of them very, very slowly. Because these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. To give you some context about why all of this happened. So, 
This happened um, at the time when Jesus Christ went to Jerusalem. And he, if you guys remember the whole story, we talk about this during Easter time, right? Jesus goes into Jerusalem um, and he goes into a particular house in the, at the brook. And he pretty much spends time with his disciples and he teaches them a, a couple last things and he shares communion with them. And then after this situation, after this prayer, Judas Iscariot comes back and then he brings a band of people, soldiers, and then they come and arrest Jesus. So this is sort of like a farewell prayer in a way you can think of that Jesus Christ prays for his disciples at that particular time. So I want us to kind of think through today. And I was I was going through this, I was going through John this past week or so, and it, it was just really wonderful to be able to to, to do so. Um, because when you can just go through the word again and again, there's so many different things that come up. I want to highlight a couple of points for you here today that I believe will be beneficial for us in our walk with God um, and for others as well as we walk with them and try to help them in the situations that they may be in. My main goal, guys, when I share anything I want to preach Christ and Christ crucified. What does that mean? I want to preach that on the cross is where we have freedom. I know that there are a lot of issues that go on in this world. There are myriads and myriads of problems. And it's always good to touch on those every now and then. But at the core, if we have an understanding for Christ, Christ is where everything flows out of the social injustices the troubles, the trials, the tribulations that we face within life, the decisions that we need to make, all of those things flow through our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I hope you bear with me today and, and, and you tune an ear into this prayer here as we dissect and understand what the word of the Lord has to tell us. What we're doing right here is called exegesis. I am exegeting the text and explaining and picking out the key things here that the Lord has to say to us. Yes, there are topics that I would love to chat about, and one day we will. But I believe here we get to a place where we truly want to know when we read the Bible, who is God? What has he said? What is his life? What is his story? And what role do I play within that great story, that great redemption story of Jesus Christ? So, a couple of points as we walk through this here and there. I know we only have a couple of minutes left, about 20 minutes or so. So try to get through major of these points. And then if you guys have any questions, please feel free to ask me, okay? So in the beginning of John chapter 17 here, now that we have the background, imagine, place yourself in Jesus' shoes in this time. He has been walking with his disciples, teaching them for three years. And now it's like he has to bid farewell to them and go back to God the Father. So he, he prays a prayer to God the Father. And in that prayer, we see so many wonderful things that we can apply to our lives. And he teaches us more about God. So the first thing that I want you guys to know about God and about life that he has given us here is that to have eternal life is to know that Jesus 
is, is to know Jesus and God the Father. To have eternal life is to know Jesus and God the Father. And we see that in the early verses of John 17. Right In the verse 3, Jesus tells us, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we ask, what is this eternal life? Jesus Christ gives us the answer right there. But eternal life is to know Jesus. But if eternal life is to know Jesus, then what does that mean? That means that eternal life, guys, begins right now. It begins when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. So I want to invite you to Christ if you've, not, if you've not made that decision. I want you to know that we may know of God. There's a difference between knowing about God, having knowledge about God, and actually knowing God. Okay? Let's never get it mixed up. Yes, we're raised in Christian homes, the majority of us here. That means that we have knowledge about God. We know that He rose on the third day. We know that you know, he's, he's, he's God. We know all these things about God, these little fun facts. But get this, the devil also knows these things. People who are not Christians also know these things about Jesus. So when I talk about to know God, it's to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want a relationship with the Father, you must have a relationship with Jesus. Right? So what does that look like when you really know somebody? You can't really know somebody unless you're spending time with them, right? So spending time within that word is really the best way. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is really the best way. When we go to heaven, Jesus is not going to be asking the question of, how many facts do you know about me? How many Bible verses can you recite? How many times did you go to church? How many times did you show up? What praise and worship team did you join? What Bible verses did you read? What songs did you sing? That is not the question. The question is, have you given your life over to Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Did you know the Father? And, if you, and did you know the Son? And if you know the Son, you know the Father, is what John is teaching us here within the Word. So I want to encourage us that we must get from the place where we know about Jesus and get to a place where we really know about Jesus. I hope that makes sense what I'm teaching here. That eternal life is not just to know some fun facts about Jesus, but eternal life is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that eternal life begins right now. Yes, there are struggles. When I say it begins right now, you're like, what do you mean? There's all these things happening in life. Yes, those things are here. And so long as we live in this world, they will continue, and we will continue to have strife. But day by day, when we meet our God, everything that was a problem, everything that is wrong within this world due to sin that has been caused by us will be made right again. Point two that we have. So that, for, that was the first point, right? To have eternal life is to know Jesus and God the Father. Note it down. For you guys taking notes, I encourage you to take notes because there's a bunch of points that I want us to go through here and I want you to ponder over them as we go throughout the week, okay? So point two that we have is that if God does not keep you, you will not be kept. If God does not keep you, you will not be kept. And this is made known apparent to us in the verse 11. 
And we see in the verse 11, it tells us that, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Jesus says, he says, I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. What do I mean when I say if God does not keep you? That means that you guys have to remember that we are saved by grace through faith. By grace, you have been saved. And that grace is a free gift of God. God has kept us. God is the one who decides, hey, who am I keeping? Who are my people? Right? If God does not allow us to know him, we will never be able to know him. Understand, if God does not allow us to know him, we will not be able to know him. Now, this isn't the point where we'll get into the whole nuances of, okay, what is, what, what then does that mean for free will and predestination, all those things? That's a different conversation at a different time. Maybe we can talk about it if we have some time later today. However, I want you to know for this that we must, when we remember that, we, that, that if God does not keep us, we will not be kept, it, 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 it puts things in the, in the right perspective. It puts life in the right perspective. That our saving is not anything that we've done, but merely because of Christ. And if, and if that's the case, then we give glory and honor to God and we humble ourselves before God. Guys, this is so, so critical. When I go to sleep as a believer, and then I wake up in the morning as a believer, that is the greatest miracle to ever occur. That through Jesus Christ, I'm able to go to sleep and wake up. The miracle is not the fact that I woke up because I could lose my life any time. But the miracle is the fact that I woke up and still being a believer in Jesus despite all that has happened. Not because of what I will, but because of God himself. That is the greatest miracle that that I don't deserve to wake up, guys. I don't deserve to wake up a believer. I don't deserve to be saved. But God, having so much mercy and grace upon us has chosen us to give us eternal life despite all our wrongs and despite all our flaws. This should teach you a bit more about God. And if this is the case, if God is so gracious to sinners like us, then how much more, how does that, how does that make us have to then relate to the people who are around us, the people that we have problems with and issues with, right? If God does not keep you, you will not be kept. Point number three. Point number three, and this can be a a bit of a sore spot. Point number three is that your emotions, guys, your emotions matter to God. I say that again. Your emotions matter to God, and He wants them to be filled with joy in Christ. Your emotions matter to God, and He wants them to be filled with joy in Christ. Flip on over to the verse 13, and you'll see just what I mean. Jesus says within this prayer, as He's talking to God the Father, He says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let me make this very clear. When I talk about your emotions matter to God, let me preface this by explaining first that God is spirit and God is not a feeling. God is a spirit and God is not a feeling. The reason why this is so important that I want you guys to get this is because when we're going through a situation, when we're going through some trials, some struggles, and we go to God and we say that we remember that God is the comfort. I'm teaching you guys all the time that God comforts, right? And then you go to God 
but you hear absolutely nothing in that moment when you're calling and crying out to God. And you feel absolutely nothing from God. It makes you then think that since I'm not feeling anything from God, there must be no God or that God has abandoned me. But when you realize that God is spirit, then you realize that God has given me so much word right here. This is the Psalms that we read through each week. That there is a place to go and he's given you direction. God has not left you alone. When you feel alone, that does not mean, that, that doesn't change God's character. You understand? It doesn't change God's character. And then we see here that, and when I say, and, but then, then, then you must say something like, well, I guess if God's not a feeling and God is just a spirit, then I should just be a robot and just live my life and just, you know, everything that he says in the word, just do that and not care about my joy in, in any way, shape or form. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God does care about your emotions but let not your emotions be the driving force of whether you decide whether God is real or not. Rather, let your emotions that are for God, let God be there. Let them be filled by God. We say we want joy, the joy of Christ, right? You can, I'm here to tell you that you can be in pain and still have joy in Christ. There was one guy who's whose mother had passed away and he was going through so much struggle. His mother was in a, in, a, in, in a car crash and he was at a very young age and she was driving a bus. She was in a bus and then the bus flipped over and a bunch of people passed away through that. And his mother was in that and he thought to God, God, you could have fixed this situation. You could have saved her. But instead of thinking that, he was in pain, yes, because he lost a loved one. But he had so much joy knowing where his mother was. Just had so much joy just thanking God that, God, thank you so much that you gave me my mom for this, this many years. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. That is that joy that then filled his heart. That's what I mean when I say here that Christ wants us to be filled with the joy. But we can't do that when we think that comfort means that God's just going to make me feel Nothing, or God's going to make me feel the best about myself, or, or that this thing is going to come from me. When we don't understand this, guys, when we don't put this in the right perspective, the reason I'm harping on this point, and I said this is a sore spot, is because when we don't harp on this, when we don't realize and understand this the right way, we go to so many different sources for our joy. We go to so many different places for comfort because we don't feel that comfort, from that immediate comfort that we want from God. Right away, even though the God is like, hey, I gave you my word. I need you to go read it. But that is hard, right? That, that can be, that, that requires us to do something, right? That requires us to actually read the Bible and take that time, which is the best way to go. But instead of us doing that, we draw to other things in life. We put our lives within our friends. We put our lives within relationships. We put our lives within video games. We go to some very destructive things that you know you've been in before, I won't name them, right? And we go to those things for comfort because it's things that we're used to, it's things that we know will give us a quick rush, a quick feeling that we're good. But how long, ask yourself, how long 
has that feeling lasted? How long? How far did it get you? For me, it didn't get me very far, right? So when I, when, when I say that our emotions matter to God, know that you're not meant to be a robot in this world. God truly wants you to find joy, but have that joy in the right perspective, that the joy is in Christ. If you lose absolutely everything in your life, everything, which is possible, God can do whatever he chooses. Will you still have that joy in God? That's what I mean when I mean when I refer to joy with Christ. So that was point number three. So points we've gone through so far, point one was eternal life is to know Jesus and God the Father. Point number two was if God does not keep you, you will not be kept. Point number three was that your emotions matter to God. Point number four. Jesus wants us to shine the light unto the world. Jesus wants us to shine the light unto the world. And we find this within verse 14 and 15. Okay? Verse 14 says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And then Jesus says this really thing that boggles my mind all the time. In verse 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Guys, we serve a God who is amazing and infinitely wise in what he does. In these verses here, Jesus is, 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 is making known that as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're going to suffer. I'm telling you point blank. Because I don't want you to come, you know, 10 years from now, you lose your faith because you went through a tragedy. I'm letting you know right now, we're going to suffer. And we're going to go through some difficult times. And we're going to have some struggles in life. But that doesn't change God's character. That doesn't mean that God is not with you. So that's why I want to ingrain this in your minds now that you know that for the rest of your lives, when you go through situations and challenges, you recall that God is there with you and that God loves you and that his character has not changed. Jesus tells us that because we are believers, there are some things that we're going to believe. There's some things that we're going to say that the world is going to hate. When you speak the truth, when you speak the truth, the enemy does not like that very much. And it's, it's not like the enemy will just ignore you, right? But they'll get up in your face at times. In those moments, God is, Jesus Christ has prayed to the Father and said to God, please keep them. Because Jesus knows how hard that can be. Right? And then he says the crazy thing in the verse 15. He says, don't take them out of this world. Guys, when we're going through a situation, when you guys are struggling, you're going through some sort of pain, right? Everybody wants to be relieved from pain. I don't think there are that many people who just want to sit in agony and sit in pain. But here Jesus is saying, don't take them out of the world. So basically, don't take us out of our situation. Keep us in the situation. Why does the God do that? Perhaps, guys, God keeps us within our situation just so that we will reflect and shine that light onto the world and that his glory 
the glory of the Father will be made known through us. The world knows, the world pays attention when believers do certain things. The world pays attention. And what I'm saying here, and I'm trying to explain, is that when you're going through something and you want to be taken out of it, God may not necessarily take you out of that situation. I'm here to give you that news because that's Bible. God may take you out of something. Maybe you're going through sickness or whatever and you're praying and praying and asking God for healing. God may not deliver all of that type of healing to you, but remember that Jesus didn't even come into this world for physical healing perhaps, but Jesus came into this world for spiritual healing. Now, where is our spirit, right? Where do we stand? Know that though God may not take you out of a situation, He will change the storm. God may not take away the storm, but He will change our mindset, our response to the storm. And He will put the things in place that we will be able to dwell with the problems that we have. That doesn't mean that we give up. That doesn't mean that we give up hope. We continue praying and pushing and asking God to, to work in our situation. But know the type of joy that you will have when you realize that, hey, I know that God may not take me out of this, but he's going to work in my situation to give me that joy, to give me that sense of peace, for me to make it through this and take it day by day. Because at the end of the day, that is what matters. We can't shine light onto this world when we're so fixated on trying to get out of our problems. We can't shine light onto this world and be a, and be a light onto other people when we are so focused and focused on getting out of one issue to another. So I implore you, I beg you, please, please, Jesus himself could have told God the Father, God the Father, take, take my people, let's just end it right here, let's end the story, ring the, ring the gong, right? Have, have the trumpets blow, bring all the angels here, let's take everybody that's already, you know, down and let, and let, let the dead rise with Christ, right? And go meet him in the air, all those things. God could have said, let's do that right now. But instead he says, no, keep them here. So if God who has told his Father to keep you here, certainly has the power and the strength and the might to keep you in Christ. So all these things layer, layer with one another, right? If God does not keep you, you will not be kept. God is keeping you in all of that. Next point. Point is that truth is objective. Now I'll run through these really quickly because I know we're almost out of time. Maybe next time we'll continue. But point here is that truth is subjective what is truth and we ask this question in verse 17 right it says sanctify them in the truth your word is truth is what jesus says to god the father sanctify them in the truth your word is truth in this day and age in 2021 do we have a concept of your truth and my truth and if your truth is fine and your and if your truth goes against my truth that's perfectly fine you can have your truth i can have my truth they can have their truth everybody can have their truth you know, he that you know, you get a truth, you get a truth, whichever truth you want, right? Pick it and just stick with it. That is false. Logically, take Bible, take Bible aside. Take faith, whatever aside. Thinking logically, you cannot have more than one truth. 
okay? This concept of postmodernism that we live in, where there's multiple truths, is not logical. You can only have one truth, therefore truth is not subjective, truth is objective. And we're seeing here that what is the truth? Simple, your word is truth. The word of God is the truth. So when somebody comes to you and says that, hey, I know that you, you believe in Jesus Christ as the only way, but I believe that, you know, if I don't believe in Jesus, I'm going to be with the Father as well. Then that's my truth. If you're a postmodernist believer, you'll say, yeah, I, I agree. You know, you, you've got your own. If you don't believe in Jesus, that's fine. I think I need to believe in Jesus. But you see how those two things contradict one another. And that's why we have to ask you the question of where do you stand? Right? There is only one truth. And when we ask what is truth, Jesus tells us here that your word is truth in verse 17. So I want you to get to know that word and read it. But you guys know we've been saying this forever now. We'll keep on saying it until you, you get to a point where you have a craving and a desire to read the word of God. Um, the last two points here, because I know we're at that one o'clock point, um, is that believers must be united in truth because the world is watching. We see this in the verse 23. And we also see the last point is that Jesus loves us so much that he prays for us. If Jesus takes intercession seriously, we should too. Guys, there's a whole 26 verses of, of a conversation between a father and a son. And in that conversation, it's not between, it's, it's, not, it's not about, hey, what did you have for lunch today? What did you, what did you eat for dinner? How was the weather? All of those things. No, this, this conversation is about the people that the father has given the son. From top to bottom, it's not a prayer about God, give me strength that Jesus is praying here. Every single sentence is about you and me. Jesus loves us so much that he prays for us. When I first came across this chapter some years back, I was awed. I was, I, I, I was so floored because I was like, who is this God that he loves me so much that he'd spend an entire chapter here dedicated to just praying for me. And how do I know that he wasn't just praying to his disciples? You see that in the verse 9 and the verse 20. Because he says, that I pray for, you know, this prayer is for those that the disciples will also teach and teach. And that's pretty much like all the people that God has, has chosen, right? So when I look at that, I see, I, I, I see that Jesus not only died for my sins, but he also prayed for me too. And with that, he encourages us to pray for one another. That's why at times my heart breaks when I have to ask for volunteers and it's silence on this platform. If we can be real with one another. Because I see what amazing thing that our God in heaven did for us, especially in this chapter, that he spent the entire chapter, not on himself, but on us. That when I ask and I plead for people to pray for one another that we have on here, that real issues that we're going through, there is silence. I beg and I pray that that will change. That the word will change you. Read this for yourself. And you will see 
that intercession is important. Intercession is important. Sometimes God places it on our prayers as a means of helping and moving towards somebody getting through a situation. But a lot of times we're on, the, we're on the bench, we're on the sidelines saying, yep, you got it, you can do it, that's your problem, not my problem. If my brother is hurting, I'm hurting. If my sister is mourning, I'm mourning. That's the mentality and the mindset that we are to have as believers. Because the world is watching, guys. The world is watching. The world sees what we do. And the world knows Jesus and God the Father through us. God has made it through, has made us. And God could have people saved anyway. And you say, God wants people to be saved through miracles um, and through, you know, through dreams, right? All those things. God, you think God's going to do all those things. And yes, God can do anything. Let me not take that away. But I want to say that the primary means that we see within Scripture, within the Bible, that God has chosen for people to know Him is through the preaching of His Word, through His people. So to wrap this all up, how will they know, how will the world know if we do not teach? How will the world know if we do not proclaim the gospel? How will the world also come to, to share in this love, to share in this Jesus that we have, who lifts up our spirits, who helps us, who, who, who keeps us through all of our trials and tribulations if we do not go? If we do not go, who will go? If we do not speak, who should speak? If we do not touch lives, who do we expect to touch lives? Brothers and sisters, I implore you today, get to know this Jesus if you don't know him. And make sure that your brothers and your sisters, your people, the community around you also knows him through the way that you live your life and the way that you proclaim the gospel to one another. I love you guys, and I know this can be, can be difficult at times to hear, but it's important. And I hope that God will continue to work within your life and think through and ask God, God, how do you want to use me today in all that I've learned? How can I go out into this world and share your great message? How can I go out in this world and share the truth? Because guys, we need you. I'm only one person. Pat's only one person, Olivia's only one person, Uncle Albert's only one person, Auntie Eunice is only one person. We need you. We need you to join within the fight. We need you to join within the work of the Lord. Because that is what God has called us here. If you really love somebody, your friend, your family member, you will want them to share within the love that Christ has for them too, and thereby praying for them. You may have shared something with someone already, and that's great. God bless you. But have you thought to continue praying for them? Pray for them and see what God will do. So those are all the seven points that we seven points that I gave you guys really quickly. I'll give a few minutes for us to kind of talk through them. Um, but I'll close in prayer really quickly. Just to summarize, the key seven points are 
Have eternal life means to know Jesus and God the Father. If God does not keep you, you will not be kept. Point number three, your emotions matter to God and he wants them to be filled with joy in Christ. Point number four, Jesus wants us to shine the light into the world. Point number five, what is truth? Truth is objective. God's word is truth. Point number six, believers must be united in the world. Believers must be united in truth, which is in God, because the world is watching. And the last point was that Jesus loves us so much that he prays for us. If Jesus takes intercession so seriously, then we should too. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just allowing us to delve in your word and share, um, to go through this prayer that you had a conversation with God the Father. God, we thank you so much for all that we've learned. Um, we pray that we take these truths, take these points very seriously, and we ponder upon them throughout the week. God, give us the boldness and the strength and the courage to be able to go out into the world and share your good news, to be able to just love on the people that you have given us, to be able to pray for one another, Lord, to be reminded that we must have life with you and that eternal life we need not wait on, but it begins right now when we accept your Son as our Lord and personal Savior. God, I pray for all hearts and ears and minds right here today who may be wondering, who is this God? I pray today, God, that, that they have known you and they have learned about you. And I pray that they accept you for the whoever is willing and ready. And God, that you make yourself so known to them in a fresh way. For those of us who know you, Lord God, who are walking with you, say that within relationships, things can become stale at times. I pray for them, God, that from this message, Lord God, that you remind them that you are always with them, that you are always praying for them. What an amazing thing that we serve a father, we serve a son, who care for us so much. God, help us be able to go into this world and show that same care to others. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer, in whom we trust. Will the saints say, Amen.